0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Praise the Lord. It's good to feel the presence of God, isn't it? Just the liberty to respond, the liberty to participate liberty to just step out and let the Spirit of God touch our hearts together I'm going to ask you to stand one more time I know we've been up and down a little we're very honored to have Brother and Sister McGuire with us today and uh, we've worked them a little bit over time <laughs> behind the scenes and uh, but I appreciate his willingness to come and to invest himself not just into the church body at large but to individually speak to those lives that he's been able to minister to Uh, since their arrival. We have, uh, as I have told you in the last several services, we have known of one another for many years, and the last several years have grown closer in our friendship and relationship. And uh, I appreciate many qualities about Brother McGuire, and I'm not trying to make him uncomfortable, but I just want you to understand the quality of man that is about to speak to you. Not only does he speak with content, But I always appreciate the gentle spirit in which someone can speak the word of God. And uh, he has the true heart of a shepherd. And in all cases, you just see that just so freely flow. And you can't put that on all the time, every day. And so I appreciate uh, not only the fact that he has something to say, the spirit that he says it in. And he certainly has the spirit of a shepherd. Today, he has agreed he and sister mcguire to step away from their congregation i'm sure they're in good hands and uh but i'm thankful that they are they were willing to share them with us this weekend we have been in their home and in their church they have been in our home and in our lives and now in our church and we're very very thankful that they're here today not only does brother mcguire have a true grasp of the word of god but he has a very unique sense of humor and uh and I want to tell you, if you're in the people business, it'll do you well if they have a sense of humor. And uh, and what I appreciate not only about that is that he knows how to keep a balance between those two, and that's important. He knows when to speak and what to say. He knows when to be lighthearted and what to say. And I'm very honored that they are here this morning, and I want him to know that there are no strings, no tethers of this pulpit I want him to just come, preach his liberty, take his liberty, and just preach to us the word of the Lord. Would you make him welcome to this pulpit today? Amen. Well,
2: praise the Lord, everybody! It really is an honor to be here, um, brother. Everything he said, I will say it back about them too. So, save a lot of time. No. Our church enjoyed having them. I'm glad you loaned them out to us. And uh, you already know your pastor's a phenomenal preacher. And he's got a phenomenal wife to help him and stand by his side. And they are and have become quickly some of our favorite people. Um, And I was so glad for our church to get to meet them and hear them. And not only our church, but they just have a good name everywhere. And this church... Anyone that's been here always says the same thing. What an amazing and powerful, strong church. And it's, you can tell, the church reflects the leadership, and you have some great people here, and uh, I'm thankful for the privilege of being asked to speak to a group last night and then today. I told them at the end, I said, I feel like I just gave you a bunch of fruit salad. It was just jumbled up in my head, and I hope this part doesn't seem to be the same way, um, but we're we've had a good time these last couple of days here. It really, it really is. And it, just to be here, to see the town, to see the church, and uh, we really have enjoyed ourselves. I'm preaching at the exact same time I'd be preaching at my church, because the time change. Our service starts an hour later, but with the time change, I'm I'm right on schedule. <laughs> so that's good. That way I won't go extra, you know, and. Uh, I'm going to go to the word of the Lord so that y'all can be seated after this. And I'm sorry, media guy, brother. I'm going to go with something. Girl, oh, okay. There you are. Sarah, you're just a sound guy back there. You don't control anything. My poor son is the sound man at our church, so he knows. And he gets it because his mother's the music so. The way our church is set up, we had to turn it sideways. And so he's right behind her now. And so it's, she gets him. <laughs> My hat's off to those that run media and sound. <laughs> Honestly, they do a good job. And when visitors come, visiting ministers, you know, you never know how they're going to respond to what's there. And if the wrong scripture or the right scripture's up there, I don't care. We'll get through it. If there's feedback in the microphone, that's all right, too. We'll get through it. Amen. But I'm going to uh, go to Matthew 25, and I don't even think that's on your notes there, but uh, verse 14 through 30. I'd really like to be a lot more smoother than this, because I gave all of our my notes, all my scriptures um, a while ago, and and I, I, the Lord just kind of dropped something in my heart in prayer this morning, and... Um, I thought, you know, I don't want to go do something different. I want to preach something I know works. <laughs> you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go out there on a tightrope. And uh, but I, as the service is going on, this the atmosphere here is awesome. Spirit of worship and and the breakthrough and the prayer service, just those coming up for prayer. Such a wonderful spirit of of victory and deliverance here. And perhaps through your worship, God was able to get through to me. I don't know. Uh, The atmosphere is so very important. I want to read Matthew 25, verse 14 through 30. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. That means he left. He left. He he gave them their money, and he, he left. Then he that had received five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. And, but he that had received one digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said to him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I've gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered him and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I had not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Therefore take the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given. He shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I would like to talk from this title, and a title helps the preacher, really. I texted my assistant pastor today, and I said, announce your title and read your text, and then start talking. I said, last time when you done all that 15 minutes of stuff, I said, I didn't remember a thing you said. I said, please, announce your title. That's what a pastor has to do, you know. And you know what he said back to me? I don't believe he had the nerve. He said, Thank you, Pastor. That is awesome. I'm glad you told me it was exactly the right time I needed it. I knew who I was talking to, you know, so I could say that to him. So my title is Divine Absence. Now, you're looking at some, I know there's some people gone today because it's church and that happens. That doesn't mean that's a divine absence. I ain't talking about that. Amen. Lord, I ask you today to bless your word and bless our minds and our hearts and allow us today to glean this from this, the intended purpose. We ask this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Father. Amen. You may be seated today. This story has been often talked about and preached about. I know that. And, um, what I spend most of my time when I'm preaching about this or if we're teaching it's usually about that third guy because that third guy makes me feel better about myself. I mean, it's kind of neat to see somebody that's not as good as you are at something. And uh, it it just makes us feel a little bit better. But his problem centered around his lack of knowledge of the master. Because he said something that the other two didn't say. He said, I knew you. And see, he didn't know him at all. But that was his defense. And, and sometimes in a, a time of, you know, lacking, in a time of truly just dropping the ball, somebody would like to make up something, and I've done that before, some excuse. And that's what he was doing. He had an excuse. He said, I knew you, that you're very hard. One rendering of this in another gospel said, "Thou art an austere man. You're, you're gruff. You're rough to be around, and and you 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 reach over into somebody else's field, and you just like you, you'll go there and just get what you want. I mean, you're a tough guy to deal with. I kn- I knew that about you. See, we're we're like that. I know you. And therefore, because I know how you are, you cracked the whip. I, I took what you gave me, and and I." I buried it and it's over there you'll find it under that tree with that little marker I got it I didn't lose it some people might have lost it but I got it I'm still hanging in there (laughs) I'm here we got your back pastor (laughs) every time I say that I think of a sister we had in our church for a while and, and, and we were going through some tough times and she'd come up and say pastor I just want you to know I got your back I got your back. And uh, she would, that went like every week she would have had my back. I get worried when people say things like that. (laughs) Why are you having to tell me it's like you're convincing yourself that you got my back? I got your back, Pastor. And then she wasn't there a couple of services so I drove to see her. And it seems sometimes the ones, I don't think this happens here, brother. This is just a, a thing I've, looked at from from south of here. But the ones that you got to go find out where they are because they weren't there, it seems they live the furthest away. And I had to drive a long way to get to her house. And I went in there and I said, Sister, I missed you for a few services. And she said, Oh, Pastor, I'm going somewhere else to church now. I said, I thought you had my back you had my back you told me all the time you had my back and I wanted to say and now you shot me in the back but that wasn't that putting me in the picture so it wasn't about me it was about her and God I wasn't taking it personal she was down on her luck some tough things happened in her life and a family in the church had really blessed her and given her a car the next week she left oh my goodness I said do you realize it's going to look kind of bad I wasn't begging her to come back I was just trying to make sense of this and I think she's still serving God that's good if she is I don't think she has my back anymore though I hope she's got somebody's back but this servant that I usually talk more about than the others his problem was he professed a knowledge and a relationship but he didn't really have one I'm sure that During the ceremony of the handing out of the money, whether it was a ceremony, I don't know if they had a crowd there, I don't know what was around it, but during that time when the master gave the one five and the other two and he gave him one, he gave it to them because of their ability. The one that he had five, he knew you've got the ability to do something with five. You've got the ability to do something with two. And sir, you're going to do well with that one. If he would have taken that one and acted like the one with two, then he could have also had two or even doubled it and had four. Because I know this, the blessing that God puts within us through the power of his spirit, which is what this is talking about, it will create within us the ability to develop into something that we're not. That's a wonderful thing about God in this wonderful kingdom as he develops within us by his spirit and his word. But the problem comes down to this one issue is that when he gave them all three the money, he went away. And it was because he went away. Two of them knew how to act when the master went away. But that third one didn't know what to do with his absence. How do I act at a time of divine absence? What can I do when I don't feel God anymore? What am I supposed to do when I really can't mark on a a, a chart, a, a prayer that God has answered recently in my life? What can I do when I get to church and people are running and jumping and it seems they're all getting blessed and I feel nothing? What am I supposed to do when there's a God that's present but in my mind and in my spirit I can't perceive him. Job said, I don't know where he's at. Now this is Job. He's not a one talent man. He's more of the five talent guy or or the ten talent man. He took what God gave him, an invisible God. A man that perhaps in the time he lived may not have even had scripture to go by. But he had a walk with God. That's why the Lord challenged the devil and said, Have you considered my servant Job? Take everything away from him. He'll serve me. And he did. The devil said, Well, it's because I didn't you know, touch his body. If I could sh- strike him with something, the Lord said, Go for it. But his life, this is the only time you'll find this in the Bible. He said, His life is in your hands. In other words, you are the one. You cannot kill him. And, and the devil couldn't because that was the word of God. Do you realize he was bound by that word right there? When the Lord said, resist the devil, he will flee, it's because the word of God said it that he's got to do it. That bound him right there. The word of God is that powerful. And when he came back and said, you know, if I could touch his skin, if I could do, well, go ahead, but you can't kill him. He's going to have to breathe. So the devil did as much as he could, caused as much harm from head to toe. The man was stricken with boils. And his three three wonderful friends showed up. And Job in a defensive moment said, I don't know where he's at. I go behind me, he's not there. Forward, I can't perceive him on the left, on the right where he works. He's nowhere for me to find him. But he didn't stop serving him. He knows the way that I take. He knows where I am. He understands me. I'm not giving up on him just because everything I got is gone. All of my children are gone. All of my crops are gone. My car is gone. My house burned down. It's gone. All I got is these three friends sitting here yelling at me. Everything was gone. And Job said, I'm still going to praise him. I'm still going to praise him. Not giving up on a God just because things disappeared. Job understood a divine absence. And we'll all go through a time when there is a divine absence in our life. I uh, was at a, a, a crusade at Trinity High School Auditorium. I was 16 I was 15 years old, and uh, my brother was the youth. Whatever of our section, Dallas-Fort Worth area, and he got this big rally together, and and you know my me and my other brother were helping him, you know, with some of the setup and such, and offering, and and we got to go pick an organ up, you know, it was this big deal, and then we filled that place up, it was awesome, and and the preacher was preaching, and he said something that affected, and and we we all are always listening for those those nuggets that just we're going to take it home, and maybe no one else does, but this is what he said: he said. There will be a time in your life when God will remove the feeling of His presence from you to teach you to serve Him without the emotional part of it. He said, but look at it like God is sheltering you with His hand over you. He's closer than you think, but you're not going to feel Him. It took God exactly less than a year before I went to my favorite place Camp meeting in youth camp. Youth camp was first. I go to senior camp and I remember I couldn't wait to get there. I, and, 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 and I, 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 there was a choir, you know, the choir was singing and they busted loose and shouted down out of the choir loft into the auditorium and, and it was just bedlam. I mean, it was powerful. Five nights of just the most glorious, powerful presence of God ever. I felt nothing. I mean, nothing. I would go down to the altars. I watched a deaf person receive the Holy Ghost with their hands talking in tongues and I saw people being healed on the left and right and Holy Ghost falling everywhere and I mean, I did not feel anything in my spirit. But I wasn't worried because the word of God had already been preached to me the word of God had already been there to hold me up and say young man get ready there may be a time when God removes himself from you but you gotta know that he's still there I didn't think it was gonna be youth camp that's like Jerusalem there's nothing more holy and powerful than youth camp yeah total nothingness but thankfully there was camp meeting but guess what nothing And there's a part of me that kept going, uh, I wonder if it's that or if God's just paying me back for some stuff. What could it be? What could I have done? You know what? You start searching yourself. Lord, search me and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. (laughs) But I kept going back to the word, back to the word, back to the word. I wonder, what if I hadn't heard that? told our church the other day, and I, I'm a pastor, so you know, I'm sorry. I'm going to be a little pastoral in some things. Not an evangelist. You know, I've never preached one revival in my life. I've tried to revive my church. <laughs> Not good at it. Bring an evangelist. Brother Boyd came and helped me out. Seriously. But whenever these circumstances like this occur, You start questioning yourself. What have I done, Lord? Did I mess up? Did I fall off the cliff to see if I can, you know, repent? So I told our church, I said, you know, folks, God doesn't just give the sermon to the preacher, whether it's me or someone else here. He doesn't just give us the sermon because he knows those ones that will be there. He gives it to the church body, the church body. So if you're not there, you may hear the message for your life at that moment. God still gets it. See, I know before I've been preaching, and I know before I'm even at church who it's for. I hope it's for everybody. But you know, as a pastor, you always know there's those ones that God is reaching out to and touching. And I'm up there preaching, and I'm realizing they're not even here. And you just want to stop and say, where are they at? I got a little upset one time. Got up to teach and I'd had someone miss and miss again and and while I'm teaching it was adult class I got my phone and I just found them and I just let it dial their number and I just kept right on teaching while they answered their phone (laughs) they're going to hear and they're going to say hello wonder why pastors calling Uh, church should be going on and they hear me teaching I just let them hear me teach for a while I thought you know try that on for a while I know you don't have a good excuse Then after a while, to let them know it wasn't like accidental call, that's what they're called, as I just hung up and kept running. Church never knew that I was ministering with two barrels that day, (laughs) helping people at church and people at home. And so after church, I went by and I just took a CD and I just put the CD of the sermon, not the lesson there, but the sermon on their door so they would maybe get the message. That wasn't a divine absence. That's a carnal absence, I'm probably sure. But God will love us enough to not react the way we think he's supposed to react to us. He will. He will love us enough. There's there's not a pattern to how God operates. I mean, I wish he would treat us all the same because then I could predict him more. But God is not predictable because we're not and when someone gives you their testimony or their burden, and they say, this is how I need God to do this and so, they may be telling you the version they want you to hear, but they may be leaving a lot of details out. I'm a pastor, so I'm, I'm used to that. People give me the version they want me to hear, and then later the truth, the, you know, not that they're lying, they're just leaving off the part where they fell off a cliff. The little detail there that that was major, and they leave that out, and then I'm talking later, and I realize, oh, you didn't give. Well, yeah, there was that time when I kind of, it was my fault, you know. It happens. I went in the bathroom in our house of one bathroom when I was grow, where we grew up, and we had a space heater, not a space. It's it's not it's a, a wall heater, you know, a gas in the bathroom. And, and and it was on. It was wintertime. And and I loved fire. My son's the same as me. We both was we shouldn't be allowed around it. And I, I, I just took a piece of tissue, and I just lit it. And it almost burned, and I, I dropped it in the wastebasket. Got another one. And it just it, it would burn for just a very short amount of time. So if I got more and maybe a little rolled it up, it burned longer. Oh, I just looked at the fire, and I put it in the wastebasket again. When I turned around, I felt heat, (laughs) the wastebasket was a white plastic one and now it was plastic melted and the fire just suddenly went up and I didn't know what to do, it was fire, I wasn't going to stomp it out, I was barefooted, not equipped for the problem and it it started burning more and and my dad, my poor dad had been at work all day and he came home and was laying on the sofa just, you know, relaxing because he deserved that after a long day at work And I don't know who smelt the smoke. There was no such thing as smoke alarms in those days. But they smelled it. And he opened the bathroom door. I was so scared. I mean, this could have burnt the house down. And dad, with his big old work boots, I've never loved work boots so much, and he just took that work boot and he just shoved it down in there, stomped it. And I'm here. You know, I'm I'm, I'm there waiting for sentencing and punishment all at one time. And dad does this. And he walked back in there and laid back on the couch. And I'm just stunned. My mom comes in, you know. She's already raised some windows and she's coming in there. I walk out. I am scared, white as a sheet, she said. And I said, Mom, am I going to get spanking for that? She said, Son, as scared as you are, I think you probably have learned your lesson. I said, I have. I have, Mom. that will never happen. Again, I don't know if, you know, our kids did stuff when we were away from home. I don't know what I was thinking. He's right there on the sofa, and I'm going to go play with fire in the bathroom. So there are times when it's the lack of God being there that we may mess up, but there's also times when his presence is very near and we just make a bad decision in his presence. There's times when we don't respond in his presence. While we were praying a while ago, people were coming up for prayer. We Our service is ran exactly the way you do it. In case you guys are wondering, we do it like y'all because, you know, he's my friend and he tells me how to do it. Thank you, Brother Boyd. I'm, I'm using all these techniques and it's working great. But I'm seeing people come up and then others and then others. Same thing that happens in our church. And I always am amazed because you know things as a pastor and you know there are those with certain needs. And you see them respond and as they come up, no one knows. But the church body gathers around them in mercy and praise. They don't know what they're praying for, but they just pray for them. And I see God do a great work in their life. Wonderful work, wonderful work. It's when you feel him, oh, that's a time I really want to respond. But it's there's always a part of God that's going to be absent because he said, I'm coming back. Jesus told the disciples in John 14, he goes, I'm with you, but I shall be in you. But see, I got to leave because if I don't leave, I can't come back. In other words, you got one right here. And what he said when he said greater things than these shall you do, he meant I'm here with you. I can feed thousands and I can affect you. I can teach to a multitude on a hillside. But if I leave, then I'm going to come back and I'm going to take care of multitudes. I'm going to take care of millions because you can have me within the power of the Holy Ghost. What a much greater plan than he gave us there. He said in John 14 and 12, In the New King James, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything, now he's talking about once this happens. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. So my text It's about Him handing out the talents. And what that's all about is when we receive the Holy Ghost, God gives us divine abilities that while He's gone, in His absence, because we know He's coming back, His Spirit dwells within us. And that Spirit that dwells within us generates in our heart divine abilities to become. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. It's a process, and I don't ever want to stop the process of becoming like he wants me to become. I I, want to become greater in him. I want to do greater things through him. Becoming. That's an awesome concept for us to have today is that act of just progressively becoming. So the the third guy, I want to leave him alone. I pick on him a lot. Let's get to the other two. That's that's the ones that did well. One received two. Master came back. He said, those two, they got four. And the one that had five said, Master, you're five. I've received five more. Awesome. But you know It was the one that had five that he turned around to the one that had the one. and said, I want you to take the one you got buried over there by that oak tree and I want you to give it to one that had five. Because he, he that has, much more will be given. But he that has not, what he said has not, he meant you had the same gift they had but you didn't do anything to produce with it. All you tried to do was keep it just to stay what you were and so that you can not be lost. You just lived to not go to hell rather than living to try to please the master. There's a big difference in that right there. I'll tell you, a long time ago, I got past just trying not to be lost. I now know, Lord, I'm going to be saved. I'm going to make it. And let's do more than just have that one talent. More than just being saved. I remember when the change happened in my life. When I finally come to the realization, I'm going to be saved. And I know there's that human part of us. Oh, do you really know it? Well, any, anything could happen. But there's something that began to happen. You've learned this. Your neighbors learned it. We've learned this. We learned to invest what he's given us. Because the Bible calls it talents. Some versions call it money, and it even refers to it as money. It was a a particular amount of money, a measure of money. But the difference in his money and normal money is it's divine money. It's effective. The fact that they just possessed it, it had an effect on their life, and it would double. That's the Spirit of God. With this awesome salvation comes the ability for us to produce and reproduce. But that third one you can see this. I'm, I it, said I'm not going to talk about him, but this last thing. He hid it. He hid it. He, he buried it. In order for God to do nothing in our life, He's got to be buried. I mean, we really have to just put it out of mind and out of sight and say, I just hope I make it. I want to make heaven my home. Those are the kind of people that wrote the songs like, I just want a, 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 a cabin in the corner of glory. I heard this song as a kid and I thought, not me. A cabin? Cabins are cool here, but everybody else is going to have a mansion. I want one too. You know, I see, I get the point there, you know, as long as I make it. I don't want to be that close to the bottom, though. I don't want to be just right there on empty. You know, when I was a a teenager, my first car, I don't know if it ever had a full tank of gas. I see that little right there by empty, and I knew whenever I would start taking off and the gas would rush to the back of the tank and I'd have this. Lull. I thought I probably need to get gas. Two dollars. Give it almost a half a tank in those days. Forty-eight and nine was the gas when I got in my first car. So you know, and I made you know two thirty-five an hour too. So figure that out. But those other two, they did something with what God gave them. They invested it. Invested it. The Holy Ghost. When we begin to invest it wow, the the thing that really got me as a young man is when I made up my mind to live for God seriously, you know, there's a point where you're just trying not to sin, and I mean, my prayer meeting started off with forgive me, oh God, really, I mean, that was just, Lord, forgive me, forgive me, And, and, and young people, let me tell you, it gets better, I mean, you get stronger, you do, God will bless you. I wasn't a bad person, but just, you know, as a kid. And so I began to invest. You're going to think this is funny, which that's okay, but one of the first things I started praying for is, God, don't let me get a girlfriend that's bad for me, but let me get a good one. And I I started naming one that I thought I'd be interested in. I started naming her to God. Lord... Here's what I, I said this prayer kneeling down in the green velour chair in our living room. I remember exactly where I was. That's where I'd pray when everybody would go to bed. And I said, Lord, I don't think anybody else is praying for her to be their girlfriend. I am. I just want to see if, if that's who I could marry someday. So, Lord, just answer my prayer. I prayed that way for jobs. I, here's what I prayed for jobs. I'd say, and I'm not saying you do this. Do what your pastor tells you. But This is, this is what I did. Lord, how many men... Or tithe payers that are wanting that position. I'm a tithe payer. Let me have it. And so I, I, I got jobs by praying. Just praying is good, okay? Whatever you're saying, it's up to you. But I prayed for this one person. I thought, Lord, this is who I want. Lo and behold, somebody said, She's really hoping you'll ask her out. Well, that's answered to prayer. Took her out, and you know, she was fun. She was pretty. But I had been praying. And in my spirit, And folks, I wasn't a spiritual person. Per se, you know how we say spiritual. I liked to have fun. And in my spirit, there was just a no. Just, she'd show up at our church. We'd go out with other kids and have fun. I'd show up at her church because there's friends there that I liked hanging out with. But I never, never did anything because I, the package the money, the talent, has in it the wisdom and the power and the glory of God. You see? It's divine. He left, but he left us the most greatest thing we could ever have. And I got that wonderful experience and began to realize, I prayed for that, Lord, and you showed me that it was a no, so I'm content just to sail along until the time is right. And my wife, guess where we met? Right, in a revival that's a great place to meet a girl. Her dad preached at our church. She was sitting on the second pew next to her brother and my Aunt Ruby was in front of me and she turned around and said, are you going to be stupid and let that girl get away? <laughs> Never even met her before and my aunt's already picked her out. Sister Elmore came up to me and said, that's the girl that you're supposed to marry just so you know, I'm not involved but just let you know and she walked off. <laughs> Oh, the church is praying for that to happen too. So Well, so I wasn't stupid and the church was praying, so we went and got married that weekend. <laughs> honestly, oh, it was a it was a year and a half as her dad is hard-headed. But honestly, God's going to answer those prayers if you pray it and then you step back and don't mess with his absence. Don't mess with his absence. He knows what he's doing. Just let God do it. Investing. When we were married, was married in Longview, Texas and uh, went to Brother Spears Church and I moved there to get married to her. It's so funny. Her dad said, you know, we, the day I I proposed or, or or we got engaged, they had a big dinner and all that and at their house and, and you know, I asked her parents, can I marry her? Yes. And um, so he said, now, uh, you know, you probably need to move here. And I was already wanting to move there because it's a beautiful place. It really is. And uh, now my parents, I have a brother and family that lives right by there. My brother's a pastor, you know, in that area. And it's a beautiful place. We'll go there on Thanksgiving. And, but at this time, we is all in dallas fort worth and my, my father in law goes there's gonna be a lot more jobs here, of course, than there, just the economy's better here and I'm thinking, okay, two million versus fifty seven thousand, but that's a dad wanting you to you know his son in law to be next to his daughter so anyway i I already had made up my mind to be there, so I moved there and a construction job started, and that's what i'd done i'd done i I'd, I'd worked in in Residential construction, a little bit. And I thought, that's a good way to just jump in there and and make some money and do whatever's next. And a man that lived in their apartment complex right below them asked my mother-in-law, would your son-in-law, does he need a job? She goes, yeah. He goes, well, tell him to fill out an application. I'll bring it home, and and I'll get him hired. And he got me hired at a great pay and and a good level. And uh, so I'm on this massive job that end up hiring thousands of people and it had just started, it was very hot out there and boring in just 10 hour days, but making good money, thank God, it was just right before we got married. And every now and then, we got our crews and they put us where we needed to go and I had my, my, my crew, uh foreman was named Bob Ritchie, and Bob Ritchie said, I want you to go with Tom, he's going to come up in a truck and you're going to go with him in that truck and you're going to get material. So I got in tr- Tom's truck, one big, you know, I think a one ton flatbed and I said, man, this is nice. This is all you do. He goes, that's all I do, just drive around the jobs out all day. And I thought, man, I'd like to do that. How'd you get this job? He goes, well, my uncle is the number one man. I said, well, the number two man's who got me hired, so maybe I can do this someday. He goes, I doubt it. Well, he was, to really, to put it lightly, Tom was an idiot. And I'm just being plain here. They're out there, okay? There's some. Everybody probably knows one. I'm kin to about eight or nine. And... He he took that cushy job driving the truck around and, and failed to check the oil ever. And the engine blew up and his uncle let him go. And I meanwhile am going to church and praying for God to give me that truck. You know why? I already got a good job. I got a wife. I mean, Lord, you give me a wife. You gave me this job. You don't stop just because you got in the front door. I thought, Lord, if you gave me these other things, you'll do this for me. And God, he, he wants to show us, first of all, that prayer is powerful. One quick testimony, and I'll get back to my story. We laid off a job about a month after I bought a new car. Insurance, car payment, no job. And, and I didn't know that it was just gone. It didn't, there's no more... Uh, slabs being poured and no more houses being built that time as the interest rates were going sky high. And I was desperate. And furthermore, I wanted to go to camp meeting and youth camp and I had to have a job for that and money. You know how it is. I took the phone and went into my bedroom and I shut the door and I laid on the carpet and I said, God, I'm going to pray until you give me an answer by that phone. I want that phone to to ring. I had not one lead because I, 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 I just felt like, God, there's something, if you can just answer this prayer. I prayed about 15 minutes, my face in the carpet, and the phone rang. I mean, nobody. I had no. I told no one that I was looking for a job. And when I said hello, the voice on the other end said, are you ready to go to work? It wasn't anybody I'd worked for. It was somebody completely outside of my realm of, of workforce. And right then, God took care of me. A prayer, a phone call, a testimony. Now, the reason I'm saying that is those kind of circumstances lead up to greater things. So now, fast forward, Tom's gone, and I've been praying, Lord, give me that truck. And Bob comes to me and says, hey, you think you could drive that truck? You know where all the material's at. And all it is is the job's called an expediter. You expedite. You go get stuff. And they, you get a list, and you go by all these crews, and they tell you on a piece of paper what we want. You go pick it up, take a helper with you, and you're in a truck. When it's hot, you got air conditioning. When it's cold, you got a heater. And I thought, man, that of course I want to get in that truck. And then when it was boring, I could just go drive off into the eons of that job, hide in a place that, you know, my foreman told me, stay hid, stay busy, look like you're doing something. And so I would. Well, you know how every story, there's a villain that shows up about halfway through it. And our our, our villain in today's story is Bobby Wilson. And uh, he was a snarly, just just wino. Seriously, I mean, I'm not just throwing a name out there. And and just skinny, scrawny, and just had that face that just is mean. And every day I would go pick him up, him and the general foreman, him and the the other guy, and, and I would give them a ride to the gate. And we would get there just when the whistle blew so I could get out and walk right to my car and be one of the first people to leave. Otherwise, I had to, the other my, my buddies back at across the road in the deep part of the plant, the whistle would blow and they had to get on a bus and ride and, and, and stop. And, and by the time they got out, there was a traffic jam of thousands of cars trying to pull out. I got to be one of the first ones to leave, go to my wife's job, pick her up. How you doing today? Good, let's go home and fix dinner. It was a wonderful thing. I mean, it was like, I thanked God for it daily. He got in my truck and he said, seems to me like you're doing a bunch of driving around. I don't think we need you. I think we can send you back on your tools and uh, we can park this truck and each crew can use it as they need it. I said, oh, no, it's very necessary. Very, I, I stay very, very busy, very, very busy. I was fighting for my life. See what I want you to do. I want you to fill out take a legal pad and I want you to fill out everything you do time by time for what foreman you do it for and I want to check and see how busy you are. I said I'll do it. He goes starting tomorrow I need two days of that. Well I went back to my foreman I said Lord you did this for me. Help me to secure this job. And, folks, for two days, I did not have a spare minute. <laughs> I mean, there were days before that I would have two or three hours go by, and I'm just going talking with people and so forth and just all this amazing stuff. And I prayed, and God gave me two days, not three days, two days where I was busy. And and that old crotchety man got in there and looked at that. Huh. Turn the page. Huh well i guess I guess we do need that truck. I said thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's a God thing you' all so I go to my boss, my foreman. He gives me a requisition form. I need you to go to the warehouse and need you to get me a stack of these notebooks, these little spiral things, pencils and some pens and uh, bring it back. So I went to the warehouse. I'd been there a few times, but not as the expediter. And I walk up to that desk. It was massive. And I asked that guy, I said, is all of this stuff in here for the construction of these plants? He was building two at once. He said, yes, everything here. I said, so if it's on this requisition form, I can have it. He goes, all you have to do is have it signed. Who has to sign it? Oh, anybody can really sign it. We just have to have it signed. So anything. Any office supplies? Yeah. I'm looking at like pens and pencil sharpeners and all kind of tools. I'm thinking, I'd like to get into some of that stuff in that warehouse because I could really help these crews. They don't know. And some of them were sending guys up there to stand in line and get it. I can be doing it and look busy for my foreman. So he knows that I need to stay in that truck because winter's coming. So I went back to Bob after I took him his materials. I said, could you just sign one of these for me? Just sign it. That way, next time I need something, I can just go get it. Because, you know, you don't have a pencil sharpener on your shack there, and I'm going to get you a pencil sharpener. I'm going to install it for you. And I did. I got him a pencil sharpener. But what I put on there under that pencil sharpener was one requisition tablet. That guy looked at it, and he reached right under. He gave me a requisition tablet. Do you know what that meant? That meant I get everything in there. If I put it on that line, he's going to give it to me. And it made my job easy. And it made people like me because I could give them anything they needed for their cruise. It connected me to the source. And what we're here for. I'm not just here to make sure that I stay away from bad things. Keep myself that, that That's going to come. That's a part of the territory. That's the essence. That's what a church does. That's what teaching and preaching does to us. But I am on this world to be an investor I'm an investor you're an investor I, I, I don't want to just say Lord just help me make it through another day you know how the old testimonies were somebody someone was talking about it a while ago somebody, they they'd say the testimonies the same all the time and my friend Daryl you know he'd nudge me testify no you do it you do it and then I'll do it All right, so it was a big fun game to us and he'd get up and say thank the Lord for all he's done for me for keeping me through another day sit down it blew him away. I mean, it just like oh, everybody was wild, wild by that, you know. Kids testify. and so I'd be sitting there thinking of something, and I'd pop up and, and and try to say something that wasn't that, just so that it wasn't his package deal, you know. Reality is neither one of us knew a whole lot about what this was about. I mean, really, I, I we we got the Holy Ghost together, and and uh, in a revival, and and. At eight years old, you know, you don't know as much about investing as you're going to know sooner. But as I got older, I realized it's not that God just wants us to have stuff. It's not that he's good and he's the Santa Claus and he'll give you things you ask. It's bigger than that. It's this. You have to be able to invest and receive from him because it binds you to the kingdom of God and it puts the kingdom in you and it builds up your resume. A better word, it builds up your portfolio because you've got proof. You've got that child that was healed and you got that sister that God brought into the church and your marriage was put back together. Hallelujah! And you know that God took care of that situation on your job or you would have been out of work for sure. Oh, we've got a list that goes on and on and on of all the great and awesome things that God has done because we are investing until the Master comes back because He gave us power in the Holy Ghost to do His will, to invest, and to receive. Can you say, praise the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Let's raise our hands a minute and just give Him praise. Lord, I want to thank you, God, for being our hope and our help. Thank you, Jesus. You're the strength, God. You're the the power that we stand upon today. It's you, Jesus. It is you, Lord. It is you, Lord. It is you, Lord. It is you. Holy God, we praise you and thank you today. Wonderful God. Wonderful God. Wonderful God. Wonderful God. Amen. There's times that we won't hear his word, and his word will be absent. His working. Job said over there on where he doth work, I, I I don't see him. His working is absent. His presence is absent. Oh, but that's all right because he he has the spirit that he's put in us. And it has in it that effectiveness, that ability to invest. I was thinking the other day, I, I'm, I'm teaching some people, some new converts, and, and uh, they're just coming along really great and i'm i'm about to have to get into you know the sticky stuff like tithing and i honestly i love talking about it tithing and offering i love talking about it and i was thinking this the other day as i was trying to think of a way to package it very cleverly you know so they would go wow and it, that's all i'd have to say is that little thing and you know maybe something easy and painless and but i thought about this really that minimal investment that God gives us the, 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 the privilege of investing in. When we take our tithe and offering and we give. My pastor, Brother Combs, he, he worked with leather. And he taught me how to, to do leather, uh, you know, work. He had the tools and he let me work there in his shop. And um, so I went and bought a kit and I learned how to do the stitch. I always loved the stitching around the binding of the Bibles that he did. And I made a Bible cover. Messed it up because I didn't take into account the amount of room it takes to close the Bible. So um, it became a leather Batman mask for my boy. And it lasted for years. He still talks about that Batman mask. It's anointed. It's anointed mask. But the stitching, a whip stitch or something that it's called, you have to take a prong, three or four, fork prong it can be or can be more than that and you take it and you hit it into that wet leather and it and it perforates you know just perfect line and you do that all down the edge of that Bible where you're binding it and then you take that leather string and you just stitch it and there's a certain pattern of the stitch it looks beautiful you've seen it and you go through there that's what our giving is like it's every time we give it's binding me I'm investing, I'm binding. Because we're going we're to kind of be partial to where we're investing at. Amen? You know, if you, if you have stock in Exxon and Mobile, you're going you're gonna to be checking them out. And, and probably buy your fuel from there, just to be sure. Because we're going to go where our investment is. And I, I was thinking about that this week. I thought, dear God, you've given us an awesome way that on this earth to, to reach into the heavenly realm with our giving and binding it and binding it and binding it and binding it because when people get that in their heart so much just falls into place so much because God's got the rest of it amen could we stand divine absence I don't know today really If there's anything I could add to this, I don't think there is. Um, I mean, you know, I've taken a lot of your time. But I just want to say that in recognizing and understanding the concept of serving an invisible God, he's left behind some great helps. I felt his presence. I still do. He answers prayers all the time. He heals us fills us with joy he has disappointed me only to bless me you know if the night should find you weeping i've wept at night and laughed in the daytime just, he's so wonderful and faithful i just i want to give him praise today for what he's done when i started preaching there was a book that i got reading about and the writer of that book said, first of all, preaching is worship. And you must always know that it's worship. And that's true. Because it's about the one. It lifts him up. I want to thank him for that. I realize, and, and you're hearing from a pastor, okay? N- not evangelist. And uh, I was telling the group last night that My wife and I came to the same conclusion, and uh, we'd been married about three years, about three or four. I came home from work, and I said, I got something I need to talk to you about. And she said, I got something I want to talk to you about. You go first. No, you go. I don't know who went first. I think it was me. And I said, I just feel like God may be wanting us to evangelize. I had three sermons. They weren't good, but I had them. And her eyes got big. She goes, "That's exactly what I'm feeling." Now, folks, you get a husband and a wife as spiritual as we were. <laughs> she laughing because she knows I wasn't. And they both come up with that on the same day of a 365 day year. All we needs a trailer and a truck and maybe one revival, and we're good. Well, not even a revival, just just strike out God showed me something with that he showed us a very valuable thing, just because two people come to the same conclusion who are exposed to the same elements spiritual, natural and come to the same conclusion does not mean it's God does not mean it's God we were able to pray about it and when we prayed about it There was no confirmation. Because see, way back when we had first got married, July 18th of the year after we got married, July 18th of 1982, my father-in-law called and said, I've just been given permission to start a church in Fort Lauderdale. And I know I've talked to you all about it, but would you all please consider going? I said, we'll pray about it. I'd like to do it, but I'm going to pray about it. And I had no idea the battle that was ahead. Just of trying to find the will of God. My wife and I both learned a lot about the human emotion. And I found out that in the morning I'd wake up and I felt it's the will of God. Yep, we're going. By the time I got through work in 10 hours, I'd be like, oh Lord, there's no way. I was checking my emotions and thinking, you know, has I felt high or felt low? That was the will of God. I learned. That's not it. My wife and I was... In a service, her uncle was preaching at the church for that special Sunday night, and I finally broke through, and she broke through, and we were both weeping in our respective places. Everybody's around. Her uncle or somebody knew that we were having terrible marriage problems. Why else would you both be just crying before God? Next thing I know, I see a huddle of ladies over there around my wife, and I know she just loves that Pentecostal huddle. And about the time I'm realizing what's happening, all of a sudden they just converge on me and somebody has instructed everybody to, to huddle around us and hands was all over me. And right at the moment when I'm about to praise God for finally letting me break through, I got touched by about 20 men and they're just rocking me and they're waiting on me to just come busting loose, you know. I was actually getting the other direction. I was, I was not happy about it. But after it's all over, buddy of mine came up and he said, huh, I knew what was going on over there. I said, why didn't you come there and dust them off or something, man? Oh, I enjoyed watching it. He said, if you started bucking, they'll let you alone. <laughs> right in the points like that, not the huddle, but hearing from God taught us because we needed that a few years later when we both on the same day said, we feel the will of God. Two days later, we're like, that was crazy. What were we thinking? We're here. We're here. Amen. Well, if I was at my church, I'd say, I think we should come to the front and talk to the Lord. Could we do that? I think it's always good to pray and talk to Him. And and maybe in your heart and life, you're you're facing something right now that just seems like there's no sign, there's no movement. And yet, today... Maybe God has allowed you to feel something and know that He's truly there for you. He's got an answer for you today. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank You. Father, I want to thank You, God, today for Your divine helps and interventions. I want to thank You, God, that Your strength, it's made perfect, often in our absence, God, and in the absence that we perceive. But Lord, I ask today that You'd make Yourself available and real to us as we cry out to You. Lord, lift us. Lift us above that place of a valley, that place, God, that we see just dry bones. Lift us above it, Lord. In your great name we pray. Hallelujah. Lord, in your name, Jesus. Hallelujah.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the Media Ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.